I Love Mortgage Broking, episode 25. Want to rock your mortgage business? Then crank up the volume with your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today. Jesse Johnson is a mortgage broker with BLC. He's been a broker for nine years and is based out of Vancouver, BC. He's the only mortgage broker in Canada to be on the Oprah Winfrey's Million Dollar Neighborhood TV show, and he's an absolute master at using video to build his business. I am stoked about this interview today. Jesse, you ready to rock? I am. Cool. So uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you said it. I've been around for about nine years. I've, I've had my own brokerage for about, about five. I've been self-employed since I was a little kid. So I've always definitely been in the entrepreneurial zone, I guess. Um, based out of Vancouver, my head, head office is out in, in uh, South Surrey. But to be honest, I'm, I'm never there. I mean, we never ever meet clients in person anymore. They don't want to. It's not efficient. So uh, I'm already, we're just working from a home-based office. And so how did you get into the mortgage business? Uh, I actually attended a first home buyer seminar um, back in my uh, my early 20s, and I was more intrigued when I learned about what this mortgage broker was. I'd never heard of one. I thought you just went to a bank to get a mortgage. So after the presentation, I just approached them and asked for more information, and uh, they provided that. And you know, within about uh, two or three years, I was uh, at UBC. So did you end up going to work at that brokerage, or did what, where did your path go from there? No, I didn't. I ended up first starting with a, a small company called uh, Global Mortgage out in, in White Rock. I lived out, out there. I knew the owner. I knew a few of the brokers, and I decided to try them out. They were independent, probably technically, technologically advanced, so it wasn't a, the best fit for me. But, I mean, back then, there wasn't really much technology at all, I guess, mm-hmm. if you go that far back. So yeah, you probably used the old broke. What was that program called for submitting deals? Uh, Morty. Um, Morty, yeah. Actually, yeah, this was right when Morty was coming to an end. I started working with another broker, tried to get some uh, experience, I guess, for a very short period of time. It didn't work out, but he was just coming off Morty and going on to, uh, to fly logics. Okay, cool. So before we dive into your story, I like I like to ask about a success quote that has impacted your life or business. Can you share a quote with us? I don't really have a quote. I, I kind of go by the whole one life to live thing. Um, I think that's very important. A lot of people don't realize that really we've only got one chance and then once that's it, that's, that's it. I don't know. I kind of apply that on everything from having fun with friends and, and business as well. You know, if you're going to do it, do it, do it right. Right. So can you give me an example? I always love, I think what I love about quotes is it distills an idea down into a you know a really short phrase and like that one life to live. There's not like mulligans or do overs in life. So can you share an example of when you've applied that maybe in your business or your personal life? And you know when you yeah, can you share an example? Um, yeah, I mean I, I guess it wouldn't really be so much an example, more of an inspiration. I used to do a fair amount of media. I found it to be really time consuming, so I cut it down a bit. And uh, in public speaking and, and trade shows and that stuff, it's I can be quite scary getting in front of hundreds of people and talking and especially being on live TV. Um, however, it's, it's if, you know, if you can, if you can do it and you can do it okay, uh, it can be very, uh, very well for your reputation and it's, it's free marketing. So that would apply to that probably more than anything, just because it is terrifying getting up on stage and talking for an hour or, or going on live TV, but it does work very well for your business. I've been, uh, lucky enough to not royally screw up <laughs> yet. Um, have, had I done that though, that could have, you know, it can be very bad for your reputation. So you got to be careful what you do. So the, the one life to live thing is really about being willing to take risks because a lot of times people won't do it because they're afraid of a 
possible negative outcome as well. But I have to ask this question. I know it's not on the questions that we talked about, but so how did you yeah. land the Oprah Winfrey TV thing? Huh, okay. Um, so that was kind of interesting. So I, I used to do a bit of acting, nothing crazy. I've just done a few small movies and various things. I, I did classes for many years and I've done done stuff um, in the past. So for me, being in front of a camera doesn't really bother me. I actually kind of like it, to be honest. Um, so what they did was uh, her team for Million Dollar Neighborhood was looking at brokers. And luckily, I've, I had a lot of video blogs. I'm not saying they were good, but at least it gives them a chance to um, you know, just hear me speak and see mannerisms or whatever look they're going for. Because sometimes when it comes to movie or television, not necessarily looking for the best acting or, or whatever. It's just a specific look they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying I even had that, but there's various reasons as to how they come down to who they're going to choose. So when they auditioned me, I actually had to do a full audition in a room full of, uh, full of people, the producer and all these people. They had a big, huge camera, like, you know, about a foot or two from my head. Did the, did the full edition. And yeah. then they said, oh, we forgot to turn the camera on. We got to do it again. Now, I know from doing enough acting before that they'll do this sometimes in auditions to, to mess with people to see how they're going to handle that. Right. It's stressful because now they have to answer the question. They ask questions. You give answers, but you know they already know the answer. Right. So... That made it really awkward, and I, I thought I rocked the first part. I thought I completely botched the second, and I didn't get a call back. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, you know, you, normally you get called within one or two weeks. If you don't get it, you don't get it. So I figured someone else must have done a better job. I figured Angela Calla got it or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Peter, Peter Kane, something like that. Anyways, um, I get a call about six or seven months later saying uh, we finished the auditions um, across Canada and came back and said, we want you. You, you have to start in one week. So that really threw me off because I was having a very, very, like a record busy uh, uh, summer and I was not prepared for that. I did not expect that. So I had to basically rip through 100 families applications in in a week. Um, so what I did was I just said, you know, this is going to be challenging and then they, they requested, well, why don't you bring on some extra bodies from camera? So I contacted uh, Jared Dreyer, mm-hmm. awesome guy from White Rock, and I, I mentioned that hey, you know, I think this might be a great opportunity for you and some of your brokers to maybe get some exposure on TV. And uh, we all kind of partnered up and tackled the applications together. And it was some 20-hour days for a week straight where we got it done. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they they ended up cutting everybody except me from the actual show, um, which is unfortunate, but they still got to be involved in the show. Year two, uh, I was invited back and they flew me out to Toronto, um, Bowmanville, just outside Toronto. And I was much more prepared and I built calculators because we designed a very specific way on how to do these calculations, mm-hmm. um, which I actually, I, I use every day today now. I, I love it, um, mm-hmm. what we came up with. And that, that was fine. I did the entire thing on my own and I probably did it 10 times faster just because I knew what, what was going on. So Right. And you weren't, it was ju- wasn't dumped on your lap with a week of prep time? No, this time they said, we liked what you did. We're going to probably bring you back next year if the show gets on. And the show did get a second year. It would have even gone a third year. But Oprah took over the Learning Channel, her own network, and she, according to the contract for her to do that, she has to have a certain percentage of educational content. And even though the show is very, very educational, the network felt it was too entertaining. Um, even though of all the reality shows I've seen, they, this one was the most real. We're, we're not being fed what to say. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they 
stick handle a few comments here and there, but it's not like we we go yes and they say no no you got to say no here. Right. Um, it's a very 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 real show. I have friends that have done other reality shows and the stories I hear this was a good a good one. So unfortunately, they ended up uh, canceling the show temporarily because they refused to change the content. They felt it was educational enough. They wanted to be more boring. That's <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I you guess know. so. Um, cool. I, so I, that's thanks for sharing that. I, I definitely was interested, and I'm sure other people too will be like, "Okay, how did he land that?" But I know, I think back at that time, you had t- like literally dozens of YouTube videos of on different topics. So it would have been a great way to screen you. So you don't know who's when you put a video or you put content out there, you really don't know who's going to see it. And maybe it's somebody who works for Oprah, or you know. But that's why it's good to keep producing content. Yeah, I had probably uh, I think about a hundred videos at that time when that came out, and I haven't been doing it recently. I, I just time to record a video to to record a video to edit it put it online to distribute it you know it takes a long time and i just it's very hard to see measurable results Mm -hmm. from that it's not you know people comment it all the time and i stopped doing them actually people email me saying why aren't you doing them anymore we found them entertaining but it's just too too much time right okay so i I think it's back and jumped it so anyways go on so so i always like to talk about failure um i know that for me failures there's always a lesson in it when i look back and so would you share something that you failed at and then the lesson that you got when you look back you know looking back on it Okay, pride. I, I let pride get the best of me. Uh, you're, you know, you're, you pay too much attention. The ego takes over and can cause problems. So I guess my my biggest issue was I launched this brokerage MBT and I should have way, 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 way earlier decided either ensure I find a partner to help take over or or drop it just because it did not make enough money. Like if I took one hour of my time with that or 10 hours of my time with MBT versus 10 hours as an independent broker or sub broker, the amount of money I'd make as an independent broker and uh, and stress or, or mm-hmm. less stress, I should say, you know, it's like tenfold. It's way more. And I think I honestly think that was one of my biggest fail points was not uh, stopping my brokerage or biting the bullet and bringing on a partner a long time ago because I think I got uh, hit very hard on my personal volume over the years and I should be doing a lot more because of that. So that's, that's I think, my biggest fail point. Right. So just basically starting the brokerage and still trying to, to grow your independent brokering at the same... It's hard to... There's a great Japanese proverb says, chase two hairs and catch none. And it's this idea that you have to stay, you know, focus on one of them. And obviously you're doing really well. You did, I'm sure you could do both really well. But so currently though, the focus is on just growing your business personally. Yeah, exactly. I just, I mean, I just, just, just uh, last week told my brokers that uh, I was going to be positioning them with uh, a different company. A great opportunity. I, I lined them up a crazy good deal. Um, I wanted them to have a good uh, setup, which is similar to what I what I'm providing them now. Um, but yeah, that was, that was definitely an issue for me was um, spending too much time, and and it was my pride. I, I didn't want to admit that. I built a company that, that I couldn't run on my own. I, I didn't want to bring anyone else on. I wanted to do it myself. And that was me micromanaging more than it should have been. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I know that there's a lot of people that have gotten to that same situation or are going to, and hopefully they can take the time to evaluate and maybe bring on a partner or just stick to one thing and, and make their money. Yeah. Well, my suggestion for this, um, a lot of brokers, when they get you know, their 40, 50 million, they think, oh, you know what? All I need is 10, 20 more people doing exactly the same thing. I'll take 5 or 
make it and make a lot of money. Exactly what I thought. The problem is your volume pretty much plateaus, and if you want to do a good job and and provide, because this took me years. I mean, years to build the technologies and all the cool branded stuff I've got going on. And then it worked. What happens is I got a lot of brokers. We were up to 20 brokers, which is not a huge amount, but it's enough. Um, but the problem is then they start producing deals and they need help. They need support. They need all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. you've only got so much time in a day. Right. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. And the other thing I noticed about successful brokers, which I know you're definitely no um, exception to this, is that they have systems and processes and they have, they're have they willing to tweak those processes. So can I want to ask you about an administrative or sort of a, that, not a sales process initially anyway, I want to ask about an administrative yeah. process and how you tweaked it. Maybe it wasn't working the way you'd like and what kind of outcome you got. Um, okay. So I have, I hired someone to do admin. I think I started them at 13 an hour. She's been with me for a number of years. I think she's at about 15, 15, maybe even 16 now. I have to double check her pay stub. But um, she works for me one day a week, like two days a week, actually. One day for the company and one day at home. And I'll explain the home in a second. So she basically does all of the, the small, tedious stuff that I really don't want to do. Uh, and there's no point in me doing it. So, you know, she'll do all of my mail, check the mail, deposit checks. Not that we really get checks anymore, but... Um, you know, she does pretty much all of the admin stuff. You can think of mm-hmm. with the birthday cards, the the client presents, the, the pretty much everything you can think of. And she works for about, about six hours once a day, six to eight hours, depending on how busy we are. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that was huge. Everyone's probably gotten admin, but I took it one more step further. And my wife and I both work full time. We have very busy schedules. I then hired her to do pretty much the same thing at home, and this was the biggest change for me. So. Uh, her name's Stephanie, and what she does is she does basically all of the things that my wife and I don't want to do when we get home from work. Mm-hmm. And that's everything from grocery shopping to, you know, laundry, uh, steaming or ironing, um, tidying up the house, feeding the fish, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the last part up, but yeah, so the point is when we get home, we can do a little bit longer of a day. So I can put it in, I can work until seven, eight, nine o'clock because when I get home, I got nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing for us was having someone do the stuff at home because normally you'd get home, you'd have to do stuff around the house for one or two hours. Well, no, now I get to work and the amount of money I'm going to make me working versus paying 15 bucks an hour. I mean, it's a no brainer, right? Mm-hmm. So you've, you've outsourced some of those, uh, those administrative, administrative tasks at home as well, not just the ones that are in the office. Yeah. So when we come home, we come home, we make, we make a nice meal and uh, and hang out, read a book, <laughs> watch a movie. That's it, right? Right. Cool. So what about on the sales side? So you uh, is there a sales process maybe that you've had that wasn't working or what kind of change you've and what kind of change did you make to it that kind of fixed it? Yeah. So I've been lucky enough to have um, peers in the industry that if I got stuck, I could call them up and just ask some basic questions to me and hit a wall. Garth Ellis has probably helped me more than anybody. Amazing guy. He's a friend. I know him personally, but uh, he's a rock star when it comes to, to to mortgages. Great person to interview if you can get your hands on him. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, actually, he's coming. He's coming up soon too. Good. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, I've learned so much from him. And one of the two two tweaks uh, I've I've applied over the years. One of them specifically from him was when I broke down how I ran my business. He was. He was suggesting was like, well, you, you shouldn't be sending people to your website. Because I used to always send people to my website to apply online, and mm-hmm. my conversion of 
leads to applications was maybe 60%. And he's like, well, you should be doing it on the phone. He's like, also, don't respond on email. Try to stay off email. Like you're not, don't use email. Now, of course, you get busy, you forget, you end up doing out email. But I try to do every client response on the phone. And my closing ratio has gone through the roof since I started doing it. Mm-hmm. Even the slightest little question, just call them up, give a quick answer. Because you can, not only do they appreciate that, but you can hear the tone in their voice if there's something wrong. If there's mm-hmm. something wrong, you got to jump in and figure out what it is and fix it. Otherwise, you might have lost the, the file. Right. So that's a huge thing. Don't be lazy. Get on the phone. Uh, stay off of email. That is such, such an important thing. Don't send people to your online applications. Take all applications over the phone. I mean, I know some brokers meet in person, which I think they're nuts, but they meet in person and sit down with the client, take the application. I don't do that. Uh, we just do everything on the phone. It works fine. I have a 99.59% chance if I get them on the phone, I will get the application. Now that, because of the sales cycle, a script I developed over the years that I've tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and tweaked, and it's customized for me. But... I still, you know, of the thousands of applications I've taken, I, at all times, I have a sales cycle on one screen. I have, I have three screens at home. We're paperless. So I'll have the sales cycle on one screen and my pipeline on the other. And on the bottom, I'll have, you know, email or, or whatever. And I still go through the script uh, word for word when I'm talking to clients. Because of that, I do not make any, well, I mean, I'll make errors, but not in this process. Um and uh, it's it's very very efficient. So I've, I've only missed one. Or I guess I'm, I think I missed two two clients this year um, that called, and and I did my entire spiel. It decided not to apply at the end. Right. So having a good sales cycle, doing everything on the phone, and not sending people to your to your website for online applications. Uh, that's, that's huge. So um, where does your business come from? Just out of curiosity. So that's a gr- that is great advice, by the way. Pick up the phone. I know it's so easy. The lazy way is just qu- a quick email and you think you solved it, but maybe they had another question and, and you, didn't, you, totally. didn't, you, know, you didn't connect. So how do you source your leads? Like, where, are your, where does your business come from? Well, I mean, I, luckily because I did have early success, I did build a book pretty quick. Most of my business these days comes from... Uh, well, we have a, we have a like a mortgage management annual review process we do for all of our clients, and our clients love it. We don't charge them anything for it. Um, it does generate us business, helps us keep on the radar with our clients. But at the same time, very often on a regular basis, almost daily, we're calling back and saying, "Hey, I found a way to save you five grand, or two grand, or ten grand. You just got to do this, this, and this." Um, they love it so. Mm-hmm. You know, a huge percentage, majority of our business is clients introducing us. I don't say refer because I think that's an old school word. Introducing us to somebody new within their their network or coming back. With a good uh, percentage of our clients are coming back. Other than that, to be honest, the rest is uh, majority of the rest of our business is from Google. From Google. We have a very strong presence on uh, Google. It's taken me many, 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 many years. We just uh, recently hired an SEO team. Otherwise, I've just done it myself. And I've, I don't like I've, I don't like I've done AdWords before, but I, I'm, I'm going to just start now and just try it out. But mm-hmm. it's just, I've got over a thousand pages on my website uh, of content. So mm-hmm. um, I've been building it for nine years. And it takes a long time because it takes forever for Google to, well, they're getting better, but it used to take a long time for them to recognize your content. 
but now we get a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I work with realtors and financial advisors, but they're by no means my primary source of income. Uh-huh. Uh, not even close. So it would be first it would be clients referring their friends or introducing you to friends, and then second would be through your Google uh, rankings. Yeah, I, I used to be very heavy on the realtors, but. If something goes wrong, you make a mistake. I mean, we're not all perfect, right? So you make dumb mistake and you, you upset somebody, and you, uh, or whatever happens, you, you, your referral source just doesn't send you as much. Or their brother, be brother or sister becomes a broker, and they got to, you know, you, you can lose a, a key referral source. When you rely on three or four huge referral sources, and you lose one or two, and your business can dramatically decrease in a very short period of time. Also, when the market drops and you're heavily relying on realtors, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Plus, realtors are, are the number one source for all brokers. Why rely on something that everyone else is relying on? I prefer to go other other route. Find a different path. Yeah. Plus, and the, the beauty of Google is it takes so bloody long and so much work to build up your website. For someone who wants to just jump in the, into the industry, it's going to take them a while to get some traction on Google. It's going to take mm-hmm. them probably a year or two to get any real traction. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, so now I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions so you can answer these as little shorter answers if you like. So what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Um, themselves. I, I think people are their own worst enemies. And what one thing or habit do you think has made you successful? A persistence. I, I don't give up. So I, I'll hang on to a, a client, like a file longer than most. I'll try every possible lender. At the same time, when it comes to a lead, you know, I'm going to attract all my leads. 98% of brokers, I made that number up. The majority of all brokers don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I track my leads, my conversion rate, where it comes from, and I consistently contact the uh, client um, to get their, uh, to get a chance to talk to them on the phone. Right. You use the, you pick up the phone all the time. And what is there, do you have an internet resource or a software program that you use to make your business more successful? Yeah, uh, well, Google Docs. Google. I, I use Google Documents for uh, for ton of stuff. I've probably got I don't know fifty or a hundred various files on Google Docs that I share with my team, and we can you know all interactive and stuff and live. I use that probably more than anything. And do you, you do you use that sending to clients as well for documents? Like like for if you have like some document, or do you just attach it, or how do you? No, no, no. It's just for internal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Uh, tough call. Um, Tim Ferriss is the four, actually anything by him I love, but, uh, the four hour work week, I guess is my Bible. I've read that a few times. I love that book. Mm -hmm. Um, outside of business, there's a book called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Very intriguing, uh, author. He really, really makes you think outside the box. And I find that interesting because you can apply a lot of that ideology, so to speak, to your business. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, they're both good books. And yeah. so, where do you think our industry is headed? Where's the opportunity? Well, it's definitely not going to get any easier, especially when the rates go up. But I mean, there's there's always an opportunity um, if you're willing to try hard enough and put in the hours on a regular basis for a long period of time. Um, you know, and you're a good person. You smile, you'll do you'll do fine. There's always opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's just a crap of excuse people say at the shitty time of the year. Right. So here's one After of my the recession. I doubled my numbers. Sorry. After the recession for a short period of time. Well, not short. Like you get six months. Because I was freaking out, but then of course I had to go back to MBT. But uh, I was freaking out because I thought we were going to get screwed for a couple of years. But no. Mm-hmm. Pick up your marketing and you'll be fine. Right. There's always you always just got to look. There's always a problem that needs to be solved, and it's just a matter of how do you communicate it, right? 
And uh, here's one of my favorite questions, a DeLorean question. Do you remember the movie Back to the Future? Yeah, of course. And so the DeLorean's at car. And so if you could jump in the DeLorean and, and the date was preset for you to go back nine years and you'd meet yourself on your first day as a mortgage broker, what a, three pieces of advice would you give yourself to have a better business today? Uh, I'll give you, well, I might not give you three, but I'll give you a bunch. So I guess for one, I, if I was talking to myself directly, I would say, don't do the brokerage. Whatever <laughs> <laughs> you do, not do the brokerage. Uh, it's not going to make you any money. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I would just definitely say, yeah, don't, don't do the brokerage. Um, start tracking your prospects, leads, applications, and funding conversion rates right away. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I started tracking my leads properly for a couple of years. Uh, no one taught me any of this stuff. You really like at the same point. You want to understand where your deal is coming from, and if it's worth it to keep marketing to that source. Mm-hmm. For example, who I thought when I started tracking conversion rates, who I thought was my top referral source, would this realtor that did forty, fifty, had forty, fifty deals going at all times. I meant listings. Um, he was my worst referral source. He took up all of my time, and his closing ratios were just horrifically bad with his clients. So I just mm-hmm. cut him off. I said, I can't do business with you. I tried to fix it, didn't work. We've gone. Second one would be to track your book of business from day one. I don't think I properly did this for, I don't know, maybe four or five years. And some of my earlier clients will, will probably agree. I did a shitty job of calling clients up once a year to say hi. I'll be honest. I mm-hmm. went three or four years sometimes without calling. I, I didn't know any better. I, I didn't mm-hmm. know there was a better way of it. I had not a clue until I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, your database, you need to treat it like gold. This is your best, best potential source of business. And it is still currently my number one source of business. Had I tracked that property from day one, I can't imagine where I'd be right now versus back, back then. Um, three would be, I mean, realistically three, not including the first one, uh, partner with an experienced broker or broker owner uh, who's willing to teach you. Mm-hmm. The first few years of my career, Seriously sucked. It was horrible. I'm not going to get into it because this is public, but um, it was not good. The, uh, the technologies and support I was given uh, back then versus what I gave my brokers for the past five years was night and day. Like mm-hmm. I cannot believe what 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 is available right now. What I even gave to my brokers versus what was available back then. So if you're starting out, yeah, just or if I was talking to myself back then, I'd partner with someone. I, I tried. It didn't work. I should have partnered with someone else. And make sure you're with a broker owner who is willing to give you the support and training that you, you deserve. Uh, last but not least, I guess this is uh, one that would apply to everybody, even these days, but make sure you have enough secondary income to cover the basics. Like I remember when I first started out, I was literally on a rice and water diet without any secondary money. I was concerned I even had enough gas to get to my appointments because back then I would meet people in person. Dead broke, no no money from family to help out. Um, it was tough. It was horrible. And the problem with that came, uh, you know, insecurities and anxiety and all these things that should not have been there when you're sitting here trying to talk to the client. And it didn't already help that I looked like I was 18 back then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're, you're stressed because you go to meet a client, do I have enough gas, you can get back to the office and... You know, it sucked, and these are things that don't need to be there. So I would suggest to people make sure that you have some form of secondary income that you still have to be able to answer your phone. So be careful what you do, that's all. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's great advice. I've really enjoyed this interview, Jesse. Are you, I have to ask, are you guys hiring at all? 
Uh, no, 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 we're not. Okay. Um, I, I ask everybody. So uh, after a conversation we had sort of before we got on the air, I definitely, I kind of thought you'd say no to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> where, yeah, so. where can people find you online? JesseJohnson.ca. <laughs> and Jesse, I really appreciate this interview and anyone who can check out the show notes, everything that we talked about links to Jesse's website at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. Jesse, I'm sure you're going to rock the rest of your year. And thanks so much for your time today. My pleasure, sir. Have a good day. Want to rock your mortgage business? Then crank up the volume with your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. If you enjoyed this interview, please take a minute, visit iTunes, and rate this podcast. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next month. Okay, that's not true, but I would really appreciate it. Also, I want to invite you to join me on a quest. After every episode, I personally take five minutes and think about one thing or one idea I can use to improve my mortgage business. I encourage you to do the same. Over the next 12 months, I plan to do 100 interviews and make 100 improvements. I'm going to track these to see how they impact my business and, more importantly, my bottom line. Visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com and post in the show notes what one thing you plan to do differently after listening to this interview and check out what other brokers are sharing. Also, if you'd like to connect with me, fire me an email at scott at robyourbank.com. I love hearing from passionate mortgage professionals who are interested in improving their business. Until next time, rock on.